0: Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Lale Johnson, and he'll be answering your questions on the Olympic National Forest steelhead. This show will be 90 minutes in length, and we're broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Lyle a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. You'll see a form on the right column of our website to sign up. Just fill in your name and email address, and we'll let you know when the next live show will be. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. And you can also find it on any of the, the podcast distribution sites like Apple, Apple, podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So if you have to leave early, you can return to our website or any of these podcast platforms at your convenience and listen to the recording at any time. If you're out and about on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, we'd sure appreciate it if you'd share our podcast. And when you do, use the hashtag AskAboutFlyFishing and hashtag FlyFishing. In fact, if you have a moment, do it right now. Uh, There's a few buttons on our homepage where you can share what's going on now, and we'd really appreciate it. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted as the property of the Knowledge Group Inc. Doing Businesses Ask About Fly Fishing. When we return, we'll be talking with Lyle Johnson about Olympic National Forest Steelhead. Douglas Outdoors is a manufacturer of premium quality fly rods, raising the expectations that anglers should expect in componentry, design, engineering, craftsmanship, and in turn, performance. Led by head rod designer Fred Kuntui, Douglas has achieved award-winning rods featuring eye-opening strength-to-weight ratios and dialed-in technique specific actions, and tapers that cater to a host of different species. Douglas Outdoors has a truly deep lineup of rods, ranging from 12 weights for monster tarpon to two weights for tiny brook trout, and everything in between. Check them out at douglasoutdoors.com. Again, that's douglasoutdoors.com. Before we introduce Leo, we'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight for our drawing. Tonight we'll be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Leo's section that says, Click here to register for our drawing. Click on that link, fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a book from Stackpole Books, and here's how you can win. You must be the first person to answer the question we ask at the end of the show. The question will be something that Leo and I talk about during the show, and you must submit your answer along with your name and location in the text box on our homepage. It's the same place you can ask questions at during the show. So listen closely, use your best typing skills, and uh, maybe you'll win the book from Stackpole. I've got a whole list of books from Stackpole that I can give you, and uh, I'll send that list out to the winner, and they can pick uh, the book that they'd like. So, Our guest tonight is Lyle Johnson. Originally from Kansas and fishing from the age of five, family trips for bass, crappie, and catfish, built a fishing fire into Lyle that still burns today. After a location change from his time as a medical professional, he relocated out west. He now owns and operates Fly Guide, a Seattle-based salmon and steelhead guide service, fly shop, and destination travel outfitter. Trading in the Midwest lakes and reservoirs for free-flowing rivers of the Olympic Peninsula is what brought a spey rod into Leo's hands, where he has never looked back. Leo, welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: Good. (laughs) Good to have you. Well, um, we have uh, lots of questions. How's uh, how's the weather hanging out up there in the the northwest so it's, a, any it's, snow it's a little rainy
1: but it's uh not any snow yet but it's it's a little rainy but it's it's, it's normal for this time of the year just kind of close out the end of the year and get ready for steelhead
0: yeah yeah well we did have some questions about uh you fishing and the weather there so we'll, we'll get to that in a bit for sure. <laughs> i guess steelhead weather is not known to be uh the best weather <laughs> but it, it's uh, not
1: the friendly it's not the friendliest weather but uh it's a it's a, it's a good prize if you stick around in it
0: yeah, 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 you got to be cut out for it, I guess. The older yeah. I get the more fair weather fisherman I am. <laughs> so, <anyway>. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um anyway, let's uh tell us about the uh, you know, the Olympic Peninsula, the national forest there and why it's become your I guess we could say home waters now for you.
1: Um the Olympic Peninsula is pretty much um it is it's a huge playground that has you know, amazing views and water and these this, these immense rivers. And you know, as your prize for walking around in these rivers and you know, battling some of the cold in the winter, there is a steelhead there, right? And um, if you've ever come into contact with a steelhead, just the thrill that that first connection will give you. I mean, it changed my life. I mean, that's I've I flipped the whole direction from working as a medical professional to going to chase steelhead. You know, anywhere that I can, and it just so happens that you know not not too far away from where I live at, um, you know, the Olympic Peninsula is there, and I'm able to chase them uh, pretty much year-round.
0: Yeah, the the peninsula there is for people. We have an international audience here, so um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of give them a description of where it is in the United States.
1: So the Olympic Peninsula is the top left corner of the United States. Um, There are many, many rivers that feed in from the Pacific Ocean, Um, And the steelhead that we're chasing in this time of the year, along with the salmon, um, they come from the Pacific Ocean, and they are moving upriver to spawn and rest um, to produce more fish for the years coming after that. So this ecosystem is just one of the best places in the world for salmon and steelhead, and we grow fish in excess of trophies um, of 20 pounds, and uh, some are caught every year, and it's something that will keep the fire burning in for you until you're able to hook one of these bad boys and uh you know that's that's why you'd want to be out in that area and it's just absolutely gorgeous
0: yeah phil mccartney in Kentucky wrote in he says please tell me about the fish in the photo that's posted for this evening's show uh if that fish is not a big one <laughs> warn me because i need to brace myself before you tell me about bigger ones <laughs>
1: that that's a big one and i got a story for you i don't, I don't think I'm okay told, I don't, i've never told this storyline so um, that fish was actually caught on a guided trip and I had two gentlemen, I, I guide all techniques. So I, I mainly focus on fly fishing, but I had two gentlemen with me that were, um, that had spinning rods, but one of the gentlemen had just, uh, bought a spay rod and he wanted some casting instruction in that. So, oh, probably about like nine o'clock in the morning, we pulled over, um, on the bank and, uh, I was giving some casting instruction. And when I give casting instruction and I'm starting my day, I am trying to hook one i just i don't try to just teach i'm trying to hook one as i normally do so um i had both of the gentlemen standing on my left side and i did a snap tee and cast it over to the opposite bank where there was a sunken tree that i knew was there and on my first cast i hooked that fish and it is the biggest oh, steelhead huh. i've ever seen
0: oh wow
1: first so that's that's where one cast can change your life came from
0: yeah, yeah, I can see that. And the picture is legit. You know, it's not one of these pictures yeah. where the guy's pushing the fish <laughs> out <laughs> with a wide-angle no, lens, no. right? Yeah.
2: So, it, it's uh, yeah. yeah. It's a big one. Yeah,
0: it's a big one. Yeah. So there you go, Phil. Get out there and go for one. Uh, it's time. Yeah. It's uh, bucket list fulfillment time.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, but, totally.
0: Yeah. So um, are the the steelhead in uh, the Olympic? peninsula there are they wild or are they hatchery fish or is it a mixture and
1: we do have a mixture of both Um, just run timings is is the hatchery fish usually come in uh, prior to the wild fish and then throughout the winter um, throughout you know late January February March into April um, that's when we get the main push of the wild fish that come in so if there's anglers that are looking to get after a hatchery fish um, right now is a good time to get out there um, and a little bit through the beginning of January um but then, after that, then most of the hatchery fish are gonna be um you know kind of moved out of the river or they've already been caught or they moved to the hatchery um, and then there'll just be wild fish to um, go ahead and chase
0: now do they they run up the same rivers?
1: They do run up the same rivers, yes
0: yeah okay what's the timing how did the timing uh difference happen? Was that planned uh I mean could that be planned or it just naturally happened that way?
1: No, I believe it's, well, hatchery fish is a produced fish, so when right. you release them and so they're supposed to be coming back into the river, um, that is definitely planned. Um, so that's, we're looking for them to return at a certain time of the year. The wild fish is, it's a wild fish. It's, it, it's always had a certain timing that, you know, for the Olympic Peninsula. Right. So we actually have, we have, a, we have a winter run and we have a spring run in that, um, you know, there's different timing peaks for when either the winter run will be in the river or the spring run will be in the river as well.
0: But the hatchery fish, do the uh, biologists plan the release at a certain time so it doesn't interfere with, the, with uh, the wild fish, or is that...
1: I believe so. I'm not very well versed on the actual releasing. I've, I've, I've participated in that. Um, that.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah, um, just kind of curious. Yeah, I, 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 I never thought it about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, 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 um, go ahead. Some rivers are a little bit different, and their the run timing will... Uh, the peak of the run timing, that's what everyone's looking for, the peak of the run timing, but Um, I'd say for hatchery fish, like, you can look for a hatchery steelhead. Um, I'd say I've even come in contact with them in October, which is very early. November is a a normal time. So kind of like you start looking for hatchery steelhead around Thanksgiving. So if you're eating some turkey, look for a hatchery steelhead. They're around.
0: Hmm. Okay, okay. Is there a difference in the size of the fish between hatchery Uh, and wild? River
1: river depending. It just depends on the system that they're – that they have come from. Also, if there's a broodstock program that actually takes some of the larger hatchery fish, or excuse me, takes some of the larger uh, wild fish to make large uh, hatchery fish. So if that system participates in that type of uh, rearing of fish, then you can have larger fish. Um, but the timing usually for sizable fish is based for the wild run rather than for the
2: hatchery uh-huh. fish.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that was uh next couple of questions. Uh Bill Steen and uh, the Willamette Valley in Oregon and Kurt Johnson here in Colorado uh are asking mm-hmm. about um the best time of year and also Dan in Washington all asking about the, the best time of year to fish. So um so you already said uh late late fall, early winter for the hatchery and starting mm-hmm. what, the, the first of January or so we get into the wild fish. And correct. Runs correct. And that springtime?
1: That runs till that runs till springtime. So you uh, throughout April. Yep. Uh, we throughout will. Uh, most of the rivers um, in most of the rivers close on April fifteenth. So if you're planning your trip, you'd want to have it before then. And I believe this year, um, just we have had some regulation changes that the uh, the rivers are going to close on April first.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and when does the season open?
1: Uh, the season opens when you get out there, so but it actually it, oh, it, okay. it uh, actually it usually starts on December first is like when we're looking for that timing to um, to be there, saying that okay. it's time to fish for steelhead. So like I said, it, it's usually synonymous with uh, with Thanksgiving. So start thinking about Thanksgiving, and then you can start chasing yep. uh, steelhead.
0: Uh, and Kurt Johnson uh, asked specifically about the Ho River. Um, mm-hmm as far as the he says it's the best time to fish for winter steelhead on the hoe river uh along with uh, oh he's asking for a recommended spay rod which we'll, we'll talk about the gear later but sure. um sure. Uh, does the hoe river in particular change from what you've just told us
1: no it follows the same pattern as all the peninsula okay so you really don't have a you don't really have a bad shot at going anywhere after january um i'd say middle january is probably a better time but it's if anybody knows anything about the peninsula rivers or just rivers in general, we're talking about river flow. So if we have mm-hmm. low flows, then the push of fish are not going to come in as heavy. Um, also, it is very dependent. These fish work on tides as well. So it depends on where you're fishing in the system. If you're going to be in the lower part of the system, um, you definitely want to be paying attention to the, the tides. If you're in the upper system and that's where you're focusing at, you want to pay attention to river levels and the timing, like you know, mm-hmm. the beginning of the month, end of the month, and the more that you fish out there you will you'll gain a pattern and you'll understand when the general large push of fish come into the rivers
0: now how far do these fish run up the rivers
1: dependent again on the system so some fish come from the salt and they I mean they can move up you know 30 40 miles um some oh, wow. you know
0: okay.
1: could be 8 10 miles in a day just depends on uh, again river flows and uh you know how uh, What's the gradient of the river? So, do the fish have to climb in elevation a lot, or is it a flat river system? So, um, a lot of of different factors. And all these, the rivers are so different. That's why they're very, very interesting to fish, because you can be on a river and and drive, oh, 15, 20 minutes away and be on a completely different system that looks like nothing else that you're fishing. So, it's it's an amazing place. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. because I've seen some of the pictures you've shot looks like, uh, you know, pretty big water there that you're fishing.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so are and that's pretty common with most of these rivers they there I mean I no, we're, we're going to talk about species. okay go ahead
1: there it's actually different so um you know there's as far as we're talking about the the Olympic Peninsula so we're talking about I guess the size of rivers like the largest river that's on the Olympic Peninsula is the Queets River and then I believe a little bit smaller than that would be um, probably neck and neck with the Quinault and the Ho um, or those are the larger river systems. Um, the Quileute is a large river system as well, but a lot of the other tributaries um, off of those streams, or some of the other rivers that are in the Grace Harbor area, are a lot smaller. So, um, oh, if, if, okay. as we're talking about it, as we're talking about equipment, the the large rivers that I mentioned, as far as like the Quileute, the Ho, and the Quinault, um, you'd want to have a thirteen thirteen foot rod at minimum, um, up to up to fourteen feet long. Um, just so you can actually have some casting distance. It's not that you're going to need to cast 100 feet all the time. It's just you want to have the ability to do so if you need to. Um, with some of the smaller mm-hmm. streams, like in the Graves Harbor area, um, you know, in 11 and a half foot rod, 12-6 or 13-foot is perfect, and you're not going to need to cast out that far. And um, that's just my recommendations as far as, like, rod size. But the, the rivers do vary in size a lot.
0: Getting a little clicking noise on here. Um, do fun. you hear that?
1: Are you I hearing did hear that?
0: that? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um okay, let let me see here. Oh, you've got all kinds of questions coming in on the internet already. Uh mm, good. Okay, here, here's this is a good one. Matt Tenderson, Walnut Creek, California. Um okay. How bad is the fishing pressure on the OP Rivers given the closure of many other Washington winter steelhead fisheries? What is the outlook for the OP steelhead runs?
1: Um, it Honestly, um, we have had some issues in Puget Sound area, to so the North Cascade area where it has filtered some pressure off the Olympic Peninsula. Um, and I'd say this is, like, it, it honestly depends on the type of angler you are. That's what I would say. So um, if, if you are following fish reports, then you're going to find people that have uh, given the fish reports or have heard about it as well as you have. Um, if you're an angler like myself, I make my fish reports, and um, even the stuff that I post on the Internet, it's very mixed up. So you would have a very hard time following what I'm doing, and that's, that's what I do to keep fishing pressure off of where I'm at. Um, also so that the Internet is used as, as more of an entertainment tool rather than um, giving too much information on a certain location, which can pressure the fish and can honestly decimate runs. So um, the peninsula does get pressure at, at times, Um, But if you're, like I said, if you're an angler who wants to get out there and just kind of find your own water, then you will not have a problem.
0: I'm going to do a little quick test here, Lael. Um, Mm -hmm. As I'm talking here, I'm not hearing the clicking going on. It seems to be only happening when you're talking. Could you, uh, would Mm -hmm. you mind uh, hanging up and dialing back in, see if it's a connection? I sure will. Yeah, and then we'll just wait for you here. So, thanks. Okay. Okay, folks, so while Lael's, uh dialing back in, we'll try to get rid of that clicking sound. I'm not sure. I've never heard that before, so something new. But uh, maybe when he dials back in, we'll get a cleaner line, and, uh, and it'll sound better. So um appreciate all the questions coming in. Uh, I truly enjoy when you guys send things in uh, live. It makes it a lot more interesting. And... Yeah, we got a couple of good ones there. So go ahead and send your questions in and we'll uh, we'll see if we can get them answered. Okay, you back? I am. Okay, good. Let's uh, give this a try and see if uh, if that cleared things up. Um, we did get a, a couple of other questions in here. Um, uh, Kenneth Barr, uh, he, he wants to know, is the hatchery on the sole duct still in operation?
2: uh i'm
1: not sure and i actually i have uh, i've been on the Solduck duck um two times but i have not fished it myself uh, being the boat operator um i've been with other people and i really don't know that much about that system so i would i would not be the person to ask for that
0: okay okay um now for these it sounds like you've got some large rivers some smaller rivers uh, uh quite a variety to fish you know take your pick mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. are you Drifting some of these rivers, wading others, combination? How how, how do you lay
1: out? Uh, Combination. Uh, Most of the time I'm floating down the river in a drift boat um, or a raft, and uh, typically I get out of the boat and fish in the water. So as I'm swinging flies, it's a technique that's made to be done um, while you're standing in the water. So um, that's my main technique that I'm guiding, and also when I personally fish as well. Um, There's other rivers where you know depends on the access of where you can get into as far as the walk maybe to get out from the from where you're driving in from um it's a little bit better to get in by foot and some rivers are a little bit uh gnarly as far as like your rowing ability as well so um it just Mm -hmm. really depends on the on the river levels you know also so there are there's a lot of times where there could be a river that might be too high to uh to drift down the drift down the river in the boat but also, what it means is, is that if the river is up high, then these fish are going to push to the edge, meaning they're going to be closer to the bank. And if you could walk to the river and access it that way, you'll have a chance to fish on
0: a day where you might not be able to. So. Okay, good, good. Uh, Jake Christensen and also Treg Owings um, are both asking about uh, these new regulations, evidently, that uh, affect mm-hmm. the OP, uh, uh, no fishing from the boat. So is, is that mm-hmm. correct, no fishing from the boat? But does that mean you can still use the boat for transportation?
1: You can. You can still use the boat for transportation. Um, so you're, you don't have to. You don't have to get rid of your boat or anything like that yet. So you can still float down the river to get to your different spots. It's just when you are actually attempting to fish, casting, or anything like that, you do have to be out of the boat. Um, like I said, I typically am out of the boat um, already, so I wouldn't say it's a. Uh, it's affected my operation all that much, but, I mean, I always did have the option to be in the boat and uh, fish for uh, fish while I'm inside the boat as well. So um, it will affect me, but, like I said, most of my techniques that I'm doing uh, these days now are um, outside of the boat.
0: Why did they uh, put that into place, that, that new regulation?
1: Fishing from a boat is very effective. It's really, really it fun. Okay. Um, okay. The, the amount of, the honestly, it's it's the uh, the amount of water that you can cover in a day is just is amazing. I mean, honestly, um, uh, one of the rivers that I fish, um, it's a 19 mile float, and we do it in a day. And I mean, I'm covering, I'm covering At it moment. all. So you can move. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those like you put in just as the sun's coming up, and you're gonna kind of you're coming out of the water, the sun's just coming down. Um, you know, you you're you're stopping. Uh, for a bathroom break maybe, or, you know, when, once you've landed a fish, you're taking a photo and then you keep going, you know, you can't stop. So that amount of uh, of river that you can cover, it means that you're going to have the ability to come in contact with more fish. And um, our runs have not been doing the best of, as of late. Um, so they're just honestly, they're taking that ability away. Um, I'm very happy that I can fish for steelhead at all, and I'm very happy to come in contact with one fish. And I believe that a lot of the, the people that I – I'm going to fish with. They are, they enjoy that that opportunity to catch a fish as well. And I have been. I was not always a fly fishing guide. I fished out of a boat, and you know I could come in contact with a, a pretty fair amount of fish in a day. And like I said, the runs just don't support that type of uh, you know of fishing just continually with the other issues that we have as far as um yeah. the fish mm-hmm. entering entering the river and uh, you know ocean conditions and a lot of other things like that. So. Um, they're just trying to give the fish a break to allow the allow the runs to recover.
0: And certainly uh I, even out here in Colorado, Wyoming, you know, Montana when we drift boat fish uh yeah, you can get especially if you're looking for you're nymphing and you're looking for a deep drift uh you know mm-hmm. from a boat you can maintain that for, you know, a long oh, yeah. period of time. And uh yes. I, I remember fishing uh the the um San Juan River in New Mexico and we were fishing this long run and we we're picking up all kinds of fish fishing from the boat. And then the next day I, I went and fished this run from the shore and, and had a heck of a time getting down deep enough, you know, for a period mm-hmm. of time long enough to get a fish. But from the boat it was just easy pickings, you know, because that, you that
1: is that is, that's that's true. That's true. And this is the thing, it's like I say so, um, the the anglers who have been able to do um, do both um, should do fine. Like, I don't I don't think this will affect them much. Like I said, I fished out of a boat. I still fish out of a boat, um, but I fish out of um, um, out of the boat, you know, being in the water a lot as well, probably more than I used to before. So like I yeah. said, the the change will not affect me that much. But you know, it's I think it's just going to have to open up your thinking a little bit more. It's, it's going to sure. be harder. But the reason they took the boat away was to make it harder. Like it's harder. that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that's the purpose right so Yeah. yeah. Um, your yeah. your ability to hook 10 in a day is is going to go down which is that was the whole purpose of this of uh, this rule change and uh, like i said with my mindset i'm happy to come in contact with one fish a day two fish a day and that's
2: fine
0: yeah so, okay yeah it's uh trophy hunting not. uh um Filling the uh, the old creel no. full of uh, dinner. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break here, at Leo, and uh, when we come back, we'll uh, talk more about steelhead fishing up in the Olympic uh, Peninsula. So, hang tight. Awesome. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams, and just so there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience and coaching. A vacation with the Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip. It's a full-on Baja experience that you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its back roads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing, and snorkeling while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved into the tactics used today. They are well-versed in fly fishing the beach and kayaks on pongas and are well-versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, jack-curval, yellowfin, skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja Fly Fishing Company by visiting their website at BajaFlyFish.com. Again, it's BajaFlyFish.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, we're talking with Leo Johnson about the Olympic National Forest Steelhead. If you'd like to ask a question, uh, just go to our homepage and fill out that form, and we'll uh, try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Okay, Leo, I always ask my guests, you know, what's going on in your fly fishing world? So tell us a bit about your business and anything happening up there in the Northwest.
1: Okay, so um, I'm... I'm a fly fishing guide uh, in Washington State, and I mainly focus on the rivers in the Olympic Peninsula. Um, I do fish all techniques, but my business mainly fo- focuses on uh, fly fishing with uh, two-handed rods uh, being spay rod. So um, I search for uh, salmon um, through uh, September, throughout uh, November, and then I begin the steelhead chase in uh December throughout, uh, April 15th when our season ends. And then I head to Alaska for a short bit, around about a month up the, in the Yakutat area. And, uh, then I come back home and begin to chase, uh, again in, uh, in BC up in British Columbia for, uh, for Kings and uh, Steelhead in that area with a couple of, uh, buddies that I have that own lo- uh, lodges in the Terrace, uh, British Columbia area and, uh, host trips in other locations as far as, uh, Patagonia do a couple of hosted trips in Montana as well.
0: Wow, you sound like you're keeping busy, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, share your website address with folks so they know where to find you. Uh,
1: it's it's FlyGuide it's f l y g y d e dot com.
0: Okay, and uh, and go there, folks, and visit his site. He's got a lot of beautiful photographs. So, Lale's quite the photographer as well. And uh, so, so when you catch that big steelhead and you go with him on a guide trip, you'll probably get a really nice shot. <laughs> you definitely. You <laughs> so, definitely
2: will. It's good, it's good for both so of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It is. Yeah, it always is. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good. Well, that's. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, check him out, mm-hmm. folks. And uh, head it up there. And uh, I'm sure you'll have a, a great trip with Leo. All right, um let's uh talk a bit more about things. uh we were talking about you know actually fishing there from a boat, wading and so forth. What mm-hmm. is the access to these rivers like in general um If it's not a floatable river uh is it involve a lot of hiking? Phil McCartney asks, what's the journey through the woods like to you know to the water to to fish? Uh, are you It's uh, that
1: the, kind of a- <laughs> the easiest way I could explain it. It's gnarly. the the Olymp- The okay. Olympic Forest and the Olympic Peninsula area is is some of the thickest forest you will ever walk through. It is a um, it's a rainforest. So right. um, when you think of rainforest, I mean it's it's fed well, so it grows thick. Um, it's not the easiest thing for you to walk through. Um, you know, you definitely want to make sure that you actually know where you're going. It is the type of place that you can get lost in. Um, if you're venturing out there, and we do have some uh, some decent weather out there that could, that could get you in trouble. So, um, if you're going out there, the access um, is good if you can see the river, walk to the river, and make sure you know where you're going. <laughs> um, you know, take precaution. This is this is it's a gorgeous place, but you know you could pay the price if you're going in the wrong direction. Um, the rivers are very very large, like I said, um, swift, and standing in the water. Now that we're going to have to do this, um, you know, as far as angling um can get dangerous so just be prepared is what i'm saying you know um safety devices as far as life vests um you know make sure that you have something to possibly start a fire if you got into an emergency situation and uh you know if you have the opportunity to bring some dry clothes as well just and uh you know step easy and be sure that you uh you know have some sure footing when you're walking around the river and stay dry wear good clothes no cotton
0: yeah yeah the um the one time i was up there when i was in college uh and we were backpacking uh up to a lake. I remember, I can't remember the name of the lake. But what I remember is like ferns being taller than I was and uh, yes. crossing rivers yes. on logs that were probably as big around as my VW bug, you know. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just awesome. And, and just, it was, yeah. you know, kind of like uh, out of a, a movie set, you know, so to speak. But uh, totally gorgeous, totally gorgeous. It is um, beautiful. It is. Yeah, so uh, Phil, bring your uh, bring all the gear to prepare for that. He also asked uh, that Have you decided it was fishing was too risky given the weather conditions? Has it ever gotten to that point, or is it all? Um, I've already
1: made the decision to give my life to steelhead anyway, so I'm already, oh. yeah, I'm, already <laughs> I'm already finished with that decision. Yeah, it, 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 honestly, you know what I say. This is like in anything that's worth doing is always going to have some risk. So. Um, yeah. I am sure of the risk um actually I even have a form that I um that I hand out to everyone just to give them an acknowledge it's called an acknowledgement of risk to let you know what we're doing it's gorgeous it's amazing but there are risks involved um and you know this is up to you if you'd like to um you know be able to try to enjoy this but there are risks involved definitely
0: yeah the um now in regards to steelhead uh mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of other fish where the weather and the moon really affects them. Are they as affected by, you know, the weather, the rain, the bad weather, uh, the moon cycles? Uh, do you notice a difference? Yes,
1: definitely. Definitely, I do. Um, you know, it just I, I'd say this is like if if you're trying to think about fish traveling, um, I would think of on a on a very very dark night. Um, you can't see that well. I mean, if you're walking around in the forest, you know, at, at night, you wouldn't be able to see that well if it's very very cloud covered and it's very dark. Um, if the moon comes out you're going to be able to move a little bit better, and I say maybe navigate the river. I'm, I'm not a fish. I can't feel the water on me, but I'd, I'd say that they could move a little bit better. Um, also, the moon uh, has to do with the tides, so it affects the tides, and that's what you'd really want to be looking at. Um, if it's really, really raining outside and the river levels are high, I'm not so sure that the, the tides are really going to matter that much in the first place, but if it is, uh, I'd say, ideal flows or low flows, then that moon cycle that could raise the tides up is going to make a significant difference with the with the water level down at the bottom of the river, bringing more fish into the river and then bringing them up river where you're going to be targeted.
0: Okay, okay. Um, so something to consider, definitely, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Question, this is just kind of, you know, on the side here. Uh, Kyler in Woodenville, Washington, uh, wants to know if you're licensed to guide on the Queets take your guess there
1: I am licensed to guide anywhere in the Olympic okay. National Park
0: yes okay good so there you go Kyler um, Dan in Kent Washington wants to know is it possible to do a, a do-it-yourself outing or do I need uh, as he puts it <laughs> his words not mine <laughs> fork over the big bucks and hire a guide for a day or two and if so how much should I expect to fork over <laughs>
1: Um, I have two answers to that. So, um, (laughs) if you're looking for a shortcut, the shortcut is going to cost you. That's about the best way I could say Like, there it is definitely going with a guide. I've been out there for many, many, many years. I have spent, uh, many, many hours on the highway, on dirt roads, um, you know, early in the morning, late in the morning. So, uh, it it is a very big shortcut, um, to get to the fish faster and understand what you need to do and even where, where to go. So, it is a shortcut. Um, and I'd say the other way, it just depends on how much time do you have dedicated to, to go through the cycle. Like, a steelhead is not the fish that's going to give it to you. They they do not yeah. show themselves. Um, and even even when they do, you have to be very in tune with what they do and the river to understand even just the, the lightest little tail slap just on top of the water to know that that was a fish. Um, so uh, it kind of can equal itself out. It just depends on how long it takes you to come in contact with one um, if you're doing yeah. it by yourself.
0: yeah. I remember um especially if it's something you haven't done before you know uh I, I remember mm-hmm. in my younger years uh my wife and I were down in the, in the Florida Keys and it was more of a just a general vacation. It wasn't a fishing trip, and I didn't hire a guide or anything, but I had my fishing gear with me. And so I decided mm-hmm. to wait out in these flats, didn't know where I was, didn't know what was out there or anything. And I immediately gained a whole lot of respect <laughs> because yeah. I looked out into that ocean, and I go, where do I begin, you know? I mean, yeah. it, it just was so vast and empty. And, you know, I was used to Colorado streams and, and smaller rivers uh, and uh, – and and it was like, you know, you just uh, really don't know where to begin. And I can imagine steelhead, you know, if, if the fish are few and far between, uh, boy, it's going to be a long day. We just, uh, the last show I did was we talked about muskie fishing up in uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And it's a similar kind of thing. In fact, I got a, a guy wrote a comment on the show saying, gosh, I was ready to get all hyped up about muskie fishing. And then after I heard it realized how hard it was he says i think i'll go elsewhere to look for fish (laughs) so uh you know (laughs) it's it's, yeah you got to be ready for the journey right
1: yeah you do you you definitely want to be dedicated like i said I, i i personally um you know when when i when i grew up in kansas just thinking of a place like this just even existed just i would be blessed just to see it in the first place um and then when i got an opportunity to actually come out here and then start learning the rivers and and when i decided to make my decision to guide um i just i didn't look back i don't think there's another i didn't have another option in life in my mind you know um that's all i wanted to do just uh you know tunnel vision and all i could see was steelhead and that's all i that's all i still see it so I'm, I'm not burnt out and i don't think it's going to happen and you the truth so it's just i love it every day and i never yeah, wake yeah. up and i'm like uh i should have done something else I, I believe i'm right where i'm supposed to be
0: good good for you uh, we got some questions in coming in on the internet. Matt Henderson in Walnut Creek, um, California. My in laws just bought a place in Port Angeles. Is that a good spot to use as a base of operations to fish the OP?
1: Yes it is. Yes it is. Port Angeles is a is, is a great place. It's not too far away from uh from forks, which many people will call the steelhead cap of the world. Um and then there's a lot of rivers if you're going out on the uh the west side of the peninsula. You will have a, an opportunity to do a lot of the other rivers uh, that go down all the way through uh, through Aberdeen in the Montesano area, so a little bit south of that in the Grace Harbor area. So there's a lot of rivers, and that's a very very good base.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, lucky you, Matt. I hope you like your in-laws, and I hope your in-laws like you. Uh, you might have a good yeah, setup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, okay, we got some uh, questions coming up on flies and, and yeah okay so let's uh oh um let's talk about equipment um bill steen and, and willamette valley asked uh, do you predominantly use spay rods and if so why
1: uh, i do predominantly use spay rods and my simple answer is when you come in contact with a steelhead on a spay rod It is a violent, shocking experience, and that moment alone is why you'll want to use one. Um, It just depends on what type of person you are, like how long are you willing to keep grinding to get that experience, but I've had it many, many times, and it is still thrilling. I've seen a lot of bobbers go down, and bobber to go down and it's 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 great and I know what's on the on the other end of it, but for me not to know that like exact second that abrupt grab is gonna happen, that's why I do it. I love spay, spay fishing.
0: Okay, so it's uh it's not it, more the hook up in the fight than it is the what about the casting aspects of it? Does that give you uh, an advantage? It's, it's
1: the ca- no it's the thing is you, you do not spay fish because it's the most effective technique. It's not. That's not You can you can catch fish, uh, you know, as far as like numbers are coming in contact with more fish. Like I said, fishing out of a boat or fishing, uh, you know, nymphing or fishing inline jigs underneath a the float. There's a lot of other ways. Um, the guy that really is focusing on the spade rod like myself is, that's the only way I want to catch them, right? And uh, I believe that, you know, I'm so busy being booked for, for this technique because I absolutely love it. Like, I, I can't see anything else but swinging flies. I love the casting. I love um, all the different leader setups, the tip setups. I love all aspects of it. And I think my passion and my thrill for spay fishing um, is what I'm, you know, showing to my guests. And that's, I guess it's just, you know, showing to them and they want a piece of it too.
0: So not only is catching steelhead hard, but you then go and make it, a bit harder
1: <laughs> yeah, i made it
2: hard
0: yeah. 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 okay <laughs> all right each to their own <laughs> yeah. um but that does bring up a question uh from the internet here phil in the kentucky says do you ever use single added rods when going after these fish if not uh why not
1: uh i do and um you can what i do actually now is uh rather than using the nymph technique uh, like i had in the past um, What I do is I take small or, I guess, short Olympic Peninsula Skagit tactics lines, um, and they work well on 10-foot-7 weights, and that's what I tend to use. Um, So I am able to use a single-hand rod and uh, use the spade casting technique, but it's more of uh, at the end of the cast, as you're you're going into your forward cast, you'd be double hauling, um, pulling the line down, because that's where your running line would be at with your, like, left or right hand, depending on what your dominant hand is. And uh, still swinging the fly but with a single hand rod, which is great also and i've I've caught fish um you know doing that out on the Olympic peninsula. I've done it, it in Patagon, yeah I've done it for trout i've like i love the technique so great now one, i, I did
0: in reading one of your articles that uh, that you developed a specific nymphing technique right your own nymphing type technique uh, i did i like?
1: did i uh I was actually taught by a uh world champion euro nympher, in uh in Montana, he's from South Africa, and he—I uh, was visiting uh, a friend in Montana and uh, Yellowstone, and he taught me how to check nymph, euro nymph for uh, for trout. Um, you know, we're catching whitefish and you know all kinds of other fish, and I just was—I was just amazed at the, the water that I'd fished, you know, year after year after year, and just didn't touch one. And then I was taught this euro technique. And I'm catching fish, like, four feet away from my feet, like, right in front of me, behind. I'm like, where did these fish come from? And the thing is, is, like, the fish are always there. It's just that your presentation is not what they want, and they won't eat it. So I was like, I have to figure this out for steelhead. Like, is, is there some way that I can figure this out for steelhead? And uh, I uh, I developed a, a fishing bead called uh, bait balls. And uh, it's a soft, reusable bead, and I I figured out how to euro nymph, check them for uh, for steelhead, and it is it's
0: really effective. So that would be an option that you, if uh, one of your guests comes and isn't interested in spay casting, you you have a plan. It sounds like.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I can fish anyway. We can we can do anything. I like I said, I take people from. Uh, Fly fishers, uh, I had uh, I had some four-year-olds to begin my uh, my season this year. I had uh, a mother oh, wow. and a father come out at a four- to six-year-old. So i um, either fly fishing or conventional tackle. So, yeah, i I got something for everybody.
0: Okay, good. Uh, on the Internet here, Rich Stanton in uh, Toms River, New Jersey. He says, excellent broadcast, great questions. Please repeat the guest uh, speaker's website when you can. So you want to repeat that?
1: It's fly guide and it's F L Y G as in George, Y is in Year, D is in Dog, E is in Edward dot com. dot com.
0: And he wants to know what group size that you lead. Two three anglers, uh, what what do you take?
1: Typically I have two anglers. I am able to take three anglers on my boat, but I like two anglers because I'm a I'm a very, like, in-tune guide is I, I want to be attentive. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the guy that's going to be hanging, sitting in the boat while you guys are out there. Like, hey, man, yell at me when you get one. Like, I want to be with you, teaching you, learning about you, you learning about me. So I can do that very well with two anglers versus three. So I typically like to have two anglers, and I can just kind of go back and forth between both of the um, the gentlemen or ladies and, uh, you know, teach them everything that I, uh, that I can during that day. So two is better.
0: Okay, good. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and dig into some some of the spay equipment uh, and pick your brain about that, about that. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market as well as unbeatable customer service and product support. They are best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly and Kodiak rafts. These rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. The Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, I'm convinced that the Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at the ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to BigSkyInflatables.com. Again, that's BigSkyInflatables.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Lyle Johnson about the Olympic National Forest steelhead. If you'd like to ask Lyle a question, just go to our homepage at AskAboutFlyFishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. Okay, equipment, Lael. Um We talked about why you use spay rods. Um, and uh, that we can do single-handed. So uh, let's talk about, you know, explain what your your setup is for the spay, you know, from, yeah, all the way through.
1: Okay. So um, for winter steelhead, what I actually like to use, like I'm a, I fish G Looms rods. That's that's all I've ever used. I love them. I know there's a, a lot of other great companies on the market, but that's my rod of choice. Um, and they just make a lot of different rods that have uh, different uses for different applications. So um, some for, like, long, heavy rods, excuse me, for long, heavy lines, as far as, uh, you know, casting, like, Skagit heads that have maybe T17 or T18 on it, so that if I'm casting um, into some water and I need to get down quickly, um, I might have the ability to do that. Um, And that rod is about 13.3 to 13.6 in length. Um, and as, as usually, typically a uh, an eight or a nine weight. The nine weight will probably get things done. Get things done for the large winter steelhead, but it'll get things done for uh, for Chinook as well, which I chase a lot and really enjoy. Then for some of the other uh, the lighter applications, like seven weights are really really good. Um, they're they're light, they're quick, and I can cast uh, fairly efficiently as far as like the number of casts that I can get in quickly. Um, which means I can cover some shorter water quickly. So I don't know if I need to, you know, stay in a run for, you know, an hour, but I can fish something for five minutes quickly by making, you know, 20, 30 casts, you know, really, really quickly and see if there's a fish in there and search that. Uh, the reels that I use are Islander reels. They're made on Vancouver Island in Canada, and they're just bulletproof reels that I'm going to have. And, uh, you know, I'm taking my grave. They just, They're built well, they're very, very strong, and they just don't fail, and they're beautiful. So that's what I use.
0: Okay, and the the line, um, what about tips? We got on the Internet, um, uh, Trey Goins is asking about, uh, talk about the different tips you use when swinging your favorite and your favorite colors of flies. We'll talk about flies in a minute, but
1: let's talk about different tips. So when it when it comes to tips, I actually I have three links that I fish. Um I fish seven and a half, I fish ten, and I fish twelve and a half. I personally I do not go beyond twelve and a half. I don't like the way that it loads, I just it's not my thing. I know that other people like it, but um I stay within that range. Um ninety percent of the time I'm fishing ten feet of T ten to T seventeen. That's that's what's usually on my rod. Um before I actually really knew what was going on with the swing, I fished T10, and that's all I fished because I didn't really know know the other applications that the other lines, is for, or excuse me, the other tips would fish. And I caught a bunch of fish on T10 and just used that and changed my mending and my casting angles, and I was able to fish and did great. So if you don't know what to use or um, you don't have the deep pockets to buy everything underneath the sun, find some T10 or T11 and go fishing. You'll, you'll catch one.
0: Um, Jim in New York City asking about tips as well. He says, can you explain the tip choice for the range of current speeds and column depths? For sure. um, sure. When when would you use those different tips?
1: So like I said, the T10 or T11 is going to fish most applications, right? So if I'm fishing some water that's, uh, I'd say, fairly swift, maybe like a, a riffle that's maybe three or four feet deep, Um, you know, that T10, if I'm casting, you know, at a 45 degree angle and I'm not mending, it's going to swing great. You know, I'm not going to need to change anything. It's not going to dredge the bottom. Um, if I get into something that's a little bit deeper, deeper, maybe six to eight feet, um, deep, but not too fast, then I can, you know, cast 90 degrees across the river and then throw a deep mend in there. And it's going to get down to that depth where the fish are kind of hanging at near the bottom. They're usually typically near the bottom within, you know, two to three feet, you know, if you're trying to target m- most of them. Steelhead will rise as, uh, as well also. But after I'm moving to some some fish, like, you know, to fish Chinook, or I'm trying to get to something deeper that's, you know, I'd say in that seven to nine-foot range that's got some speed to it, that's when you need to start moving up to um, T14 and T17 and really making sure that, you know, um, you maybe even need to get away to fly to get down. You, this is the thing is, most people do not catch fish because they, they're they not getting down. That's the that's the number one reason. If you, if you have no idea where the bottom is, you're not fishing. You need to know mm-hmm. where the bottom is and the structure is. And uh, once you can understand that, then you can actually start fishing with a spay rod, because if you don't know where the bottom is or the structure is, then how would you mend and how would you know what casting angle to place? You know, you, just, you don't have any information to react to it. So that's what mm-hmm. you want to figure out first. Uh, so definitely figure out, like, where that bottom's at and what the, what the depth of the river, the piece of water that you're fishing
0: is. Okay, okay. Um, question, do you use uh, mo tips? Uh I
1: have used motips and I've caught fish on motips um I just don't anymore um I still have a lot of them and they're they're brand spanking moo uh brand 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 spanking new I just don't use them as much as i as I used to I used to use again um i used ten foot sections uh ten foot motips and you know it, it, for people that don't know what motips are it's just half of it's uh half of it is uh, is like interme- intermediate intermediate that's ki- kind of getting down below the surface of the river. Um And the other one is sinking it 's full sinking, so if you've got a ten foot tip, half of it's like intermediate, and then half of it is uh, sinking so you've got a five foot section of something that 's getting down, and it pretty much is what it 's doing is it 's just extending your head length that 's what it 's doing so you only have like you 're only fishing a a five foot tip but it 's not going to change your casting stroke so that 's what it 's going to do for you and, and they're they 're effective it 's just something that i just i typically don 't use anymore but they're they, they do work
0: yeah um and it's uh, for folks that may not know it's M O W like an acronym do you know what that means does that have a meaning M O W
1: i ac- oh. i actually do not no
0: yeah yeah i kind of poked around looking for that i don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> hey there you go <laughs> um let's see here um uh andy cordova and we've probably covered this uh here and there but he asks i've never fished for steel it and i've never handled a uh, spay rod or switch rod, uh, why can't I just use my six or eight weight single-handed rods to swing flies for these fish?
1: You totally can. You totally can. Okay. You, you, you yeah. do not have to use a spay rod. The reason that you're using a spay rod is this is the number one reason. It, it allows you to cover water without breaking your shoulder down, right? Mm-hmm. The, if, if you do need to make a 60-foot cast, um, you know, with a single-hand rod. And, I mean, we're talking about the, you know, Olympic Peninsula weather and rain and wind and all this stuff. Like, if you're casting with a single-hand rod and you really want to fish for a fish that's hard to catch in the first place, you're going to be beat down after, uh, you know, a day. So, I mean, if you got a four- or five-day trip planned, like, you, you might need to schedule a shoulder surgery after that. Um, yeah. the, the, uh, the spay rods are just going to allow you to effectively cover the water and look for a fish on a swung fly, and you'll be able to fish it effectively. Just, the length of the rod and the bottom section of the of the rod, being the bottom cork that's below the reel, that you'll pull on um, gives you that leverage point when you're casting forward just to get some distance out there. So it's just for water coverage. That's why. But you can use a single-hand rod.
0: When you, If you have guests fishing with you uh, and they don't have spay equipment but want to fish spay, uh, do you have rentals for them or something?
1: Everything is provided. When when you come fishing with me, you just bring yourself. You don't need to bring you don't need any flies. You don't need any reels. I even have a waiter rental service that that is available uh, if you do need okay. that. But uh, if you have if you have waiters, I I have more rods than, uh <laughs> more rods than the law allows. So just go okay. ahead, and just you, just come on with me. I'm I'm usually I usually have five rods on the boat with me at of time because i just don't want to switch tips as i'm fishing um and if i'm not switching tips and flies then that means you can fish more because you don't have to wait on your guide to get things ready so yeah
0: yeah Yeah, good good uh phil mccartney and also bacchus uh nahas or nahas uh from camarillo Uh, bacchus
1: i got he's fishing with me later on in the year
0: oh he is okay okay yeah so his his question is uh can you let me know head to toe what you usually wear for a day of winter steelhead fishing, assuming wet Holy, and that's cold?
1: Easy, easy <laughs> question. If, any, if anybody has been skiing or snowboarding, wear that stuff, right? Wear wear clothing like you're going skiing or snowboarding. Bring, I mean, bring it all. This is the thing. Is, whatever you bring and whatever you wear, you can take it off. But if you don't have it, you don't have it. Right. And that's the issue. So like if you got it, like bring bring two, three pairs of gloves, bring whatever. I might tell you to take it off, but if you don't have it and you and, and you need it, then it could be an issue. But I do have a good trick and I'll share this with everybody. So um, I've been lucky enough to, you know, have some Yeti products, which are like they're some of the best in the world. And they make these thermoses and they make a pretty big thermos. And uh, before I go out in the morning, this is every morning for fishing. I boil uh, 64 ounces of water or a gallon of water and put it in this Yeti. And then uh, if anybody's seen the little clear Nalgene bottles, I pour the boiling water from that Yeti into Nalgene bottles, and it's conductive heat right to your hands. I mean, it's like like a hot potato. And I just hand that to you. It'll instantly warm your hands up, and you can tuck it inside of your waders also to really uh, warm yourself up. And I have a jet well on the boat Um, so if we run out of hot water during the day I can just keep heating river water to keep you warm all day so you you won't freeze with me
0: good tips good tips another tip that my father taught me uh, when we were first drift boat fishing um, was um, always take a dry bag with another change of clothes and yes. uh, I've uh, <laughs> because when you're away and you're drifting down the river and you're five miles from anywhere and you take a dip, you know, and you don't have any other clothes, uh, you could be in big trouble or at least for, at least very uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of experienced that this summer fishing with a guide here in Colorado. And uh, I got a fish on. I was on the bank and I was trying to get in the water and I caught my toe of my boot on the rock as i was stepping in no. and went head first right into the drink <laughs> and uh, no. it, it filled the top part of my waders uh, uh the, the belt kept it from the bottom but um but i held on to the fish and landed the fish though <laughs> so i was uh, even even though my friend the guide was giving me hell about it he says oh man that was classic and i said yeah i suppose you're going to tell everybody great. about this one yeah and,
2: but uh good story
0: but it took a while to dry out but uh you know i was in walking distance of the of the car but um uh and i did have another set of clothes there but uh it, it's chilly <laughs> even in the middle of the summer i can't imagine you know up in northwest uh you know washington uh it'll get really yeah. chilly i'm sure yeah um <laughs> good well, so there we everybody knows now what what to wear and what not to do too. uh mm-hmm. fall on the river um so, flies, what style of flies do you prefer and uh, you um, any particular color values that you like
1: um I, I I actually like i'm I'm a fan of darker colors of flies um but bright flies have their time as well but if 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 I was going to pick pick a box and I had to stick with it all day, I would choose the darker variety that's just that 's what i like that 's what I have confidence in, so something that would be um you know deeper purples blacks and blues blacks you know with some accent on it maybe um you know a pink cone or an orange cone that's what that's what i would choose but um i have fished those and had to rip them off and throw on something bright pink and it just got smoked so um you definitely got to have some options as far as brighter stuff um it's definitely okay. one of things have. um intr- intruders are are good they're just they take a little bit of time to uh to tie because um, you know, you're tying two sections. So the reason you're tying intruders, in, in my opinion, is, is that you want to have two contrasting colors, and the only way to do that is to have two sections that are different colors. So as they as they get wet and, like, say, the top section of the intruder is over the bottom section, then it kind of transitions into that, uh, from the top to the bottom, and you get two colors that you're fishing. So you could have, a br- like, the butt section of the fly could be a bright pink but the head section could be a deep purple or a black, you know, so you're kind of getting a little bit of best of both worlds.
0: So okay,
1: okay. I, I like is choose. the
0: intruder a, a tube fly or, or not?
1: You can tie you can tie tube flies. You can do either a tube fly or you can do all in shanks. Um, and, guys, this is the one thing is bunny leeches work, and they're really easy to tie. So uh, yeah, and, and intruders are sexy. Everybody likes an intruder. They take, you know, 45 minutes or an hour to tie it. But um, oh, you, you can tie a bunny, yeah. but you can tie a bunny, you can tie a bunny leech in 10 or 15 minutes, and catch just as many fish as the guy that's fishing intruders.
0: Okay, well there's another fly out there evidently that people know about called a night crawler. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Brandon in Custer, Washington, and Peter up in Fernie, uh, B.C. want to know about the night crawler. I says, Uh, Peter says, I was just wondering about the black and blue nightcrawler fly you talked about on the recent OPST video. Uh, Is this a store-bought or a home tie? Can you explain how to tie it? And then Brandon wants to know if there's a material list floating around out there.
1: Um, There will be a material list for it uh, coming out shortly. Actually, there's one actually already out right now. So in the 2019 issue of the Steelheaders Journal, um, the in- tying instructions and the material list are in that book. So you can find that. It's already out. It's, um, you know, it's at most local fly shops or anywhere around like that. And I believe you can go to steelheadersjournal.com and then you can purchase the, uh, the book as well. Um, but it is, it's a black and blue fly with pink accents. So it's got a pink cone on the front, but most of the fly is black and blue. And it's got some pink rhea or ostrich on the back section of it. And it's got a pink tube. So, um, I will I've I've definitely got some requests after that video's come up. I will put up a YouTube video of me tying it, um, to help people, you know, uh get that get that going. So I, def- I know definitely people are interested in that one.
0: Now that's your design, the nightcrawler?
1: That yes, yeah, excuse me. It it is my design. Okay. I just uh I there there wasn't anything like that that was uh, you know available. I hadn't seen anything like this. Black black and blue is a very very good color to fish. Um it catches a lot of fish, mm-hmm. but I want some. I wanted something that had a little bit of a, a brighter accent also, and I just hadn't seen anything like this. And I just kind of whipped it up, and uh, the the hardest grab that I've had to date is on that fly. Like I I remember a specific fish, it's probably like a fourteen or fifteen pound hen that just tried to rip my arm off. I mean, it was the it was the hardest grab I've ever had and uh it was on that fly. I actually didn't have confidence in it when I first started fishing it because it hadn't touched anything, you know. You don't you can't believe in something until it catches one and uh right, right. I was actually I was I was on my on my river, as a, you know, it was actually probably in the middle of the day and I was fishing a really 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 fast run and I put it out there and uh you know, first couple of casts, and I mean it just got destroyed. One of those I'm just going kind of lowering my fly down, um, you know, with my arm kind of up in the air, and it just got smashed. Like, I'll I'll remember this fish forever.
0: Yeah, yeah, sounds exciting. Uh, We got a question in on the Internet. Jacob Ott in White Sulphur Springs, Uh, he says, Regarding hooks, what's your preferred hook and size? Are you a factory barbless or smashed barb kind of guy? And owner cutting point or needle point? And then Maxima, fifteen or twenty pound. There's a bunch of questions there, or something oh, those, else. Oh, those
1: good questions. So um, actually, I'll start with this. So I use OPST one ot hooks religiously. Like it's it's the best hook I've ever used. Um, they just work. I've I haven't found any other hook that um, they're just so sharp and they they are barbless. And if you would not want this hook barbless, you'd never get it out. If it was barb, you'd never get it out. So. Um, there's a specific way that I rig um, rig the hook so it kind of hooks up very very well. But um, I do like the barbless hooks from the factory um, because I, I believe that if you are fishing a barbless hook, which I don't do, um, you have to you have to set the hook hard enough to get past the barb. If it's not, um, then you can just go ahead and place that in. And the best way, way I explain it is like I, wor- I work in the medical field. Would you want a needle with a barb on it? You wouldn't. It would it would hurt as it goes in. You want a needle that's just very smooth and, you know, we're going to give you a shot on three, one, two, and then they hit you on two. You know, and it just goes in and there's no issues that way. So I, factory uh, barbless is, is, is the best thing. Um, and I do, okay. like, um, I, I fish 20-pound fluorocarbon all season. I don't take it off. Like, all winter, um, I don't care if it – you know we got clear water we got glacial water whatever i fish 20 pound fluorocarbon and that's why you guys see a lot of fish on my instagram and other po- photos because i land most of the fish that i come in contact with
0: you've got the system that works yeah sounds like yeah, that works okay. yeah. good good yeah so there you go jacob uh you got all his secrets there on hooks um uh bill heaton in lakewood colorado he says my son lives in bend oregon and we want to fish steelhead what flies would you recommend? Is, is there any other uh, particular flies designs that um, you'd suggest?
1: I have I have a couple that are uh, hopefully I can if I get a little bit of time I can uh, be able to sell a couple. Um, but um, really, like I said, what I rec- recommend is, like, you, you want to have a variety because you're really never going to know what's going on with the river until you get there. These rivers change so much. You could be fishing glacial streams. Um, it could be a typically clear stream, but if the water is high and, the you know, the currents very turbulent, it's picking up a lot of sand. It's picking up a lot of mud. It could be uh, There can be landslides sometimes, so you just want to be able to be prepared. Um, like I said, typically I like to fish the darker colors. I like the silhouette, and th- this is – I think a lot, a lot to do with you coming in contact with a fish and like being prepared for it is the mindset, right? Now my mindset when I'm swinging flies is, I'm attacking steelhead. I don't, I don't think that steelhead are attacking my fly. So the the size of the flies that I'm fishing are typically, they're pretty big, um, they're dark, and what I'm doing is I'm invading a fish's zone and I'm making this fish protect himself or defend his area rather than thinking about this fish wants to eat this or he's just curious. I'm attacking these fish. So, um, like I said, I, I want that dark silhouette chasing down this fish, making him nervous, and he's just reacting violently. It's the same thing as, like, you wouldn't want to run up on a grizzly bear and startle him. So that's yeah, yeah. that's what it is. So if they can get curious, you know, the bear might smack you around a little bit, but he's going to leave. Like, But they're always going to defend themselves.
0: And I suppose the just the general uh um suggestion for somebody new to steelheading is go with a guide, learn the flies look, look see what's working uh, mm-hmm. and and get mm-hmm. a lesson uh is, is my best recommendation um, uh, Dale uh uh in Redmond Oregon has uh, asked about you know best tips for beginners uh and equipment uh, We talked about equipment, but any just uh we're going to start on talking about some of the techniques here but um uh any tips for beginners you know what either expectation Um, wise
1: the 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 beginner tip is is i would i would say this is like just just be prepared for it to be a journey right um you're not looking for something that's going to happen in a day so um my my best tip is 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 like when you go into this expect to put some time in this is not a situation where you're going to get in there and grab a fish on your first day it does happen and those days are very very special right Um, But it does not happen that often Um, as far as you going and venturing out on your own. I guide people that are brand new all the time. Um, We don't come in contact with one every single day, but you have a very, very good shot at that, and it does happen often enough for for me to be, uh, you know, booked enough for people to want to keep doing it. So it it does happen. But uh, just have have that in mind that, like, you're going after a fish that's not easy to catch. Um, If you're going to venture out on your own, this is honestly, I would give you a color suggestion purple is a very good color. It's dark and it's bright. It can be a little bit of both. So I would I would give you a, give you a purple fly if I, if I liked you, I'd give you something yellow or <laughs> yellow, yellow or, or like ultra bright pink maybe if I did, you know cuz it's not going to work, you know. Um all the So time. remember but, that um, folks when you when yeah. yeah, when you go on a guy
0: <laughs> trip with Leo, if it's not a purple fly, uh you're in trouble. <laughs> How right. many um what do you suggest if 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 somebody's coming out to, to fish with you and and never fished for steelhead wants to do spay? Uh, um, how many days uh, to, to give it an honest try? And not that you're going to catch one fish at all, but uh, how many days would you suggest to folks? Obviously, they can't stay. For I, a month. I
1: recommend I recommend two days, and this this is why. So when when you have two days, it actually can turn into one day, and I'll explain why. So. Um, I'm, I'm a daylight to dark guide. I don't guide on hours. We're out there for as long as we're out there. Um, I like being out there as much as you want to be out there, so I'm not trying to rush off the water, um, but this is the situation. So if we get on the water at 7 o'clock in the morning and it's not ideal until 11 o'clock, then you only have, you know, ideal conditions from 11 o'clock till maybe 6 o'clock, and that's your day. That was That's your one day, so you only got half of it. Um, it's not something that I can do, you know, I have anything to deal with. It's just, that's what, you know, the river gave us. Now, if we, uh, if we're fishing the next morning, then we could have those, again, those ideal conditions. And then possibly if it's raining, the river could go out at noon and then from noon to five or six o'clock, it's out again. But where you gave yourself that span over two days, you actually got a full day in the, in, uh, in the, in the changeover between those two days. Um, if you get two ideal days, well, then you really nailed it, you know, but that's just the, the winter weather is why you want two days. It's not that um, we're covering tons and tons and tons of water. It's just that you have to allow yourself to learn, learn in the morning, which would take two or three hours um, just to understand what we're doing, how we're casting, and what we need to get done, and the river could be your enemy as well. So two days is, uh, is definitely what I recommend uh, to get into this
0: yeah okay good yeah that's uh, and and your explanation is great, I think it applies to a lot of other places in the world too um, correct. You know, correct when you when you travel a long distance to do something fun, uh, be prepared for the the weather to to deal you either a, a nice hand or or not <laughs> so
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah
0: yeah uh Brandon in Custer Washington again he says, do you prefer slow swing or side profile faster swing for hotter fish? on say the queets
2: um
1: i've been i've been both um it just honestly to tell you the truth is my my sequence i'll give you a sequence so really what i do is like when i first get into a run i just start casting traditionally you know 45 degree angle um presenting the fly um like you're supposed to be um you know textbook stuff right and if i'm in one of those runs where i'm like i know there's a fish in here he just didn't eat yet Then I'll go back up, and then I'm casting 90 degrees straight across the river, broadside swing, and I'm going to try to make him wake up. So um, that's that's what I do. But then there's there's other times where, you know, I am on the search. Maybe there's, there's, you know, there's a new run that got, you know, something opened up because a big root ball rolled down the river, and it just opened up some new water, and I'm still on the search. Then I'm just gonna fish it traditionally, and if you know if nothing happened, then I'll go ahead and move on to the next water. So I, I don't like to spend a, a lot of time in a run for that long. I want to cover water, um, and you know see what I can find in different places. But uh, you know I'll I'll mix it up definitely.
0: When you say uh, you like to move along, so you know in general when you when you know there should be a fish in in a particular lie or whatever, how many casts uh, you know do you do? three five ten before you moved.
1: uh honestly i'd I'd probably it'd be over ten because like you're just the length of the run uh depends on that so if you're fishing buckets i mean your bucket could give you only four or five casts right Mm -hmm. if you're fishing something like a run um then i mean it just depends on the length of the run it depends on the size of the river that you're at if you're on something like the cleach or the hoe i mean you could be into you know 60 casts you know to cover a a long section of river um but this is another thing you want to think about like when you're when you're on these runs you need to think about like well where are the fish at in the first place right um depending on the river level like are they moving are they going to be like the head of the run you know or did they just move up for the next run so they're going to be at the tail out you need to figure that out or are they going to be right in the gut of the run which is the middle so um, your number of casts is really going to depend on, like, well, where are you going to start at? If you're going to start at the head, then it could be a 30 to 40 cast run. But if you're going to just focus on the tail out, it could be 10 casts, and you could be in the, into a fish on three or four casts.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, Tom Meyer in Wildrose, Wisconsin asks, um, in your opinion, which fly fishing method do you think is more productive for catching steelhead, swinging streamers or nymphing?
1: Nymphing, hands down. Really? nymphing is going to catch more Cause, yeah you, you can just present better really that's what it is so n- nymphing hands down um i like i said i i choose swinging because i cannot get the grab that i cannot get that abrupt take on the bobber where, where that fish is coming up you know when you're nymphing with something um you know the fish is coming up and they're kind of just checking something out either they're, they're tasting it or maybe they're you're they're you know they're curious and they have a feeding response with a swung fly, they can chase it down, and they're hunting it, and that hookup is amazing. So that's why I do it. Like I said, swinging flies is not the most effective technique, and you don't do it because it's effective. You do it because you like it.
0: Yeah, 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 that hit, yeah. I mean, I that yeah, I even get a kick down it like, bleeds. We were fooling around and catching yellowjack on a fly rod, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. those little suckers hit hard. I mean, when they hard. hit it, you, you yeah. know, it's. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I, I can't, uh, you know, compare that to a steelhead. But for the size of the fish, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like if you catch a, you know, a 10 inch rainbow out of a stream, there's no real hard hit, you know.
2: Yes. <laughs> but yeah.
0: a 10 inch jack, you, you think you have a 16 inch, you know, rainbow on or something? I mean, it's
1: totally, it's totally different. Totally.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and
1: we're, uh, we're, we're swinging like we we come into contact with uh, with bull, bull trout or around in the river. And this is tr- bull trout will make you a hero for about ten or fifteen seconds because you think it's a steelhead because I mean they hit hard, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. when you do actually come into contact with a steelhead, I mean, and this is my favorite fish to catch, like if I could, if I was only catching one, a fifteen or sixteen pound hen will destroy you. Like that fish has everything you could look for it. Um, it's gonna hit really, really, really hard, she's gonna come out of the water, she's gonna go up, she's gonna run right at you, she's gonna pull all your line out to your backing, it's just gonna go all, the, all go kind of crazy. Um, the really, really <laughs> large bucks that the really large bucks that everybody likes to catch, which is a trophy fish which will blow up the internet for a couple of days, is gonna fight you like a Chinook most of the time. So if you've caught a Chinook, um, you know, these really big fish, you know, in that eighteen to, you know, twenty five pound range, they're just gonna dog on you um you know Mm -hmm. and it's it it depends on the fish they're not all like that but typically that's the way that they fight so if you if you caught a chinook on a spay rod and you get into a big you know 20 pound steelhead you you probably know what to do
0: yeah 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 there you go um any other um, strategies tactics uh to catch steelhead you could pass on to folks
1: uh what honestly what i recommend is is like just cover water don't park in a run And just make that your day, right? Um, You know, kind of cover water as best as you can to move from place to place to place to place. And also think about, again, the river levels and and timing the tides to decide if you're going to be in the middle sections of a river or you're going to be in the upper sections or do do you need to be down toward the mouth, um, depending on what time the tides are. So pay attention to things like that. But um, there's a lot of salmon tactics that really pay off um, if you learn those uh, when you're going to go target steelhead.
0: Okay, uh Dan has a in Kent Washington has a question on casting. He says, "I typically cast large, unweighted flies with a medium mo tip, five foot floating five uh, foot t eleven on a thirteen foot eight weight with six hundred grain mm-hmm. Skagit head, but often Perfect. I have difficulty time casting the rig. It's definitely not pretty. Any suggestions?
1: Use your bottom hand. Your bottom hand is going to be your best friend. So um, usually most of the, the casting issues, like what I tell people a lot during the day, is, is that if you were a single-hand angler, um, you can't really lose that single-hand tactic, you know, that you've always used, and then you try to move over a spay rod, and you're trying to throw it with your top hand, and it's just not that. All of the casting, the power, and the delivery is going to come from your bottom hand. Um, also, if you're messing your casting up and it just doesn't feel right, slow down, and figure out what's wrong. Like the slower you go, you're going to see what part is broken. Um, one more, this is a technology tip. If you're fishing with a buddy, have him stand behind you with his iPhone and have him video you on slow motion, right? And then you're going to be able to look at the video of you casting and you're going to see like, oh, this is this is messed up. And then you'll be able to tell yourself because you can see yourself of what you're messing up and then go back and fix it. So those are those are three
2: tips that I right. help you out a lot. Yeah
0: yeah really good tips and lastly before we close up shop here um what is the health of the fisheries today in the olympic peninsula and uh what can we as fly fishers do to you know keep it nice and healthy up there
1: the the steelhead fishery on the olympic peninsula is in trouble it is that is the truth right and this is my answer for that so um if if i felt that me going out to fish for these fish um was going to you know eradicate the run i'd stop i, I do love steelhead enough and I, i've been lucky that i've come in contact with enough that i am i'm satisfied with what i've done personally as an angler um so if i felt like i was doing anything to really endanger the run i would stop this is the other part to it why do i keep guiding and why do i keep fishing for them I'm trying to build the love that I have for this fish in other people, right? And I believe this is another reason why I swing flies is when you're swinging flies, you're not staring at an indicator all day, you're not staring at a bobber, and you're seeing this whole ecosystem that these fish live in, and you begin to care about the area rather than just the fish that you're after. So I want you to care about the river. I want you to care about the rainforest. I want you to care about the eagle, the elk, the bear, everything um, think about your impact into the area and do your absolute best to come in there and leave without making an impact you know it's it, like a great day of swinging flies you know and maybe you had a bump it's still a great day um it doesn't have to be you know 10 or 15 fish that you brought to hand but just really care about the area and then in turn you're going to care about care about the fish like i said if i'm bringing you out there i'm trying to build that love that I have in you so that hopefully maybe when I'm gone, you're going to care about the fish like I do, and you're the next generation going to take care of those fish after I leave.
0: Great, great, great uh, great answer there. Um, a couple other questions came in, so I'm going to ask these. He says, Mo, Mo the, those initials, M-O-W, are the initials of the guys who built these tips, Ward, oh, Mike McCoon, and Scott O'Donnell uh oh okay so um so that's where that came from i guess and uh, uh tregg also tregg's listened to the show i think since day one but uh he also says he says is the glacier bear lodge still operating in yakutat i used to bartend there
2: <laughs> that
1: uh that's where i guide at i guide out of the glacier bear Lodge. oh trips there but i do guide out of the glacier bear it sure is i, I, I i'll be there in april so if you're there you be go, there, Craig, I'll, have a drink. So I'll have a drink for you. Yeah. yeah. Still there. yeah.
0: So uh, anyway, great, great way to end the show. Um, we've run out of time here, Lyle. Stick with me. Though. We give away a few of these prizes, and um, giving away a, um, a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, and then we'll also be giving away a, a book courtesy of Stackpole Books. Um, so um, I've got a whole list of books that you can choose from. And if you're interested in fly fishing books, be sure to check out Stackpole Books. Uh, it's stackpolebooks.com. a great resource. Um, so uh, just a, a quick comment. I've been running, uh, you know, kind of public service ads for literally years uh, for um, uh, you know, against the Pebble Mine up in Bristol Bay, Alaska, and um, mm. it looks like you know we're we're on the right track there now. So thanks everybody if you did participate in signing petitions and so forth, good for you. Um, hopefully we can end this battle and permanently and um, and and preserve that that great resource up there. But I just want to say thanks for everyone that helped out with that. Just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave the website tonight, please take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage, In the section under tonight's show, this is what did you think of that show? Just click on that link, leave your comments. We'd really appreciate it. And now it's time to give away those prizes. Uh, The winners for the drawings are randomly selected from the show's registration database. If you didn't register for the show, it's too late now, but make sure you do so for our next show. You don't want to miss out on a chance to win some of these great prizes we have to offer. If you are the lucky winner, we'll contact you after the show to provide you with information on how to receive your prize. Uh, so the first thing we'll be giving away is a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. And to learn more about FFI, go to flyfishersinternational.org. It's a great organization to support. They do a lot of uh, things in the way of conservation and studies and so forth. So be part of that uh, if you don't win tonight. Um, and uh fire up my, my database here. And it looks like the, the winner for this is Diane Black in Maryland. Diane Black in Maryland. So congratulations, Diane. I'm sure you'll enjoy your, your membership to, uh Fly Fishers International. And now we'll give away a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, which uh, is courtesy of amatobooks.com, amatobooks.com. So our winner for that is uh, Dale Bear, Dale Bear in Montana. So, Dale, uh, you got yourself a subscription, a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, courtesy of Amato Books. So congratulations on that. So now um, is our question to win one of – and Treg says he's going to take you up on that drink, Leo. So,
2: <laughs> if
0: a guy if if a guy walks up, Treg on from uh, Idaho, uh, you you know where he came from here.
2: <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, cheers, let's buddy. See here. Uh,
0: clear my queue here. Okay. So the question is, uh, tell me the uh, the brand and uh, size hook Leo uses for his flies for steelhead. And uh that should be a pretty easy one for for you folks mm-hmm. and let's mm-hmm. see uh so it takes them a minute to hear me because there's a slight delay in the broadcast um and then of course they have to type and uh if they can tie flies on quickly, then they probably can type quickly but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that the two go hand in hand uh so let me uh. Refresh my screen here and see if we can find ourselves a a winner. And uh, and we do. We we have well the first winner that came in is um, uh, Tom Meyer from Wild Rose. I don't know where Wild Rose is, but he says one uh, ot o oh, p s t. Is that correct, Lale?
1: That is correct. That is correct.
0: That's Okay, all right. So, uh, Tom, you won yourself a uh, a book from uh, Courtesy of Stackpole uh, Books. Please send well, – I have your email address here, so I'm good. You don't need to send me anything. I will send you a list of books, and then send back me what book you want, and uh, also include um, in um, including that your address, which I'll, I'll ask you for. So congratulations. Thanks for listening and paying attention, taking good notes. And uh, hopefully you'll get out to use uh, some of those hooks and hook some nice steelhead. Well, Leo, I uh, appreciate you being on with me and taking your time out of your your busy schedule. And uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's lots of fun talking about steelhead. And uh, thanks for being with us tonight.
1: Great chat. Thanks for having me. It was a great great evening.
0: Well, good good. Glad you enjoyed it too. Hopefully, all of you have found the podcast archive on our website. If you haven't. Just look for the link in the top line menu. The archi- uh, it's, uh, in, in that archive, you're going to find all our past shows, over 315, uh, well actually over 325 shows now, uh, which you can search by keyword or keyword phrase: trout, you know, steelhead, tarpon, Madison River. Uh, and go ahead and explore. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at at what you might find. There's tons of learning to be had there. Our next broadcast will be on January 6th, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern, and on that show I'll be interviewing Denny Rickards. And uh, we've interviewed Denny Rickards, I think, three other times. Um, But I got to chatting with him the other night about uh, the lake that I fished by my house, and uh, some issues with snails there, and I had some questions. That uh, one question, uh, I didn't get off the phone for another 30 minutes with Denny. <laughs> he is just an incredible wealth of information on still waters. So. Uh, the show is going to be called Strategies and Techniques for Still Waters. Uh, Denny has been studying trout behavior in still waters for over 40 years. He's always learning new things about the aquatic life forms that trout eat and then develop strategies and techniques he can use to mimic their activity. So join us on this podcast to hear about Denny's latest new findings, which was part of that 30-minute conversation I had with him, uh, and which uh, will help you to catch more fish in still waters. I'd like to thank... Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, Douglas Outdoors, Baja Fly Fishing, and Watermaster for sponsoring our show tonight. And don't forget to visit our website at askaboutflyfishing.com and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.